Well, I'm excited to bring to y'all part two of this series, A Little Bit of Wisdom. Um, it's a series where we get to explore some of the main principles that we can draw out of the book of Proverbs. And I love this because Proverbs is known to be part of the wisdom literature in the Bible. And as Frosty mentioned last week, it's important for us to recognize that this um, book of Proverbs, it's not like Leviticus. It's not God's law, nor is it God's specific advice nor is it promises or prophecy. So what is it? Well, it's actually the accumulated wisdom of a lot of people that live their lives honoring God. And it's the wisdom that they wanted to pass down so we could know how to live a life that honors God in every possible way. But the fact that it's included in the canon of scripture shows us that it is the inspired word of God, that it is inspired by God himself. And so I think that we should really listen to it and we should lean into it so that we can understand how to live a more godly lifestyle, which is a lifestyle of wisdom. And I said this to the first service, and I want to say it again here, but it's important for us to recognize that as we lean into these Proverbs and we understand what it looks like to be wise, to live with wisdom, it doesn't mean that we will automatically be able to avoid suffering. We will face hard times. You know, being a Christian was never guaranteed to be an easy life, but I think that when we actually walk through seasons of suffering, we can actually gain incredible wisdom by the way that we choose to respond and grow in those seasons. You know, Frosty talked last week about choosing our response and responding, not reacting. Everything that we walk through will help us gain wisdom for the seasons that are ahead. And it can teach us how to, be, how to develop a teachable spirit and a learning heart. And in fact, today, I want to talk about what it means to be a lifelong learner. I want that to be, you know, a phrase that is marked over my life. I want people to say, Darcy, she was a lifelong learner. And so today, this message is called Living as a Learner. Let's pray before we begin. God, I thank you so much for the wisdom that you have laid out for us in the book of Proverbs. And God, I pray that today we could get a little bit of that to resonate in our soul, resonate in our spirit so that we can learn what it means to honor you in every area of our life. And I pray that this wisdom would flow on into our marriages, into our kids, into our communities, into our workplaces. I pray that through this series, as we continue to go throughout July, that we would all gain such wisdom that people would notice a difference in the way that the people in this room are responding in certain situations. And I pray that it would bring inspiration and strength to every single circumstance. God, we love you, and we're here to listen. Amen. Amen. Well, if you think about it for a moment, what is our aim as believers? Frosty talked about three different people groups last week that are mentioned in the book of Proverbs. There was the fool, the simple, and the wise. And I think our aim as believers is not to live like the fool or the simple, but actually to go on this path that leads to wisdom. But we need to recognize that this path is a path of learning, and it's a path of correction, and it's a path of discipline, which is a word that I know many people don't really like, a word called discipline, but that's how God shapes us into who he's called us to be. Because Proverbs as a whole, it shows us what it looks like to walk closely with God in every circumstance. And those who walk closely with God on this path of righteousness are considered to be the wise. And they only become wise because they've adopted a posture of learning. In chapter 19, verse 20, it says, listen to advice and accept discipline. 
And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. I know many people have a negative association with that D word, but discipline is required if we want to end up being counted among the wise at the end of our life. It's part of the package. Now, let's imagine uh, for a moment that, that moment when you got saved, that moment of salvation, you metaphorically put on the jersey, you got drafted into God's team, you stepped onto the field to say, I'm a believer, I'm going to live my life for God. In that moment, you start to picture God in one of two roles. Some people, they kind of picture God just as the cheerleader on the sidelines, They want God to just give them that pep talk energy, that strength when they need it. They're like, I could do all things through he who gives me strength, right? And they just want that pep talk energy. They've relegated God to just be a cheerleader who is only allowed to bring this positive reinforcement when they want it. And so it doesn't matter what they do, even if they royally mess up, they're like, but God's over there being like, that's all right. That's okay. I still love you anyway, you know, and which God does. God still loves you. Don't get me wrong. He still loves you even when you mess up, but God is not your cheerleader. He's not. Your church might be. Your small group might be. Your spouse might be. Your friends might be your cheerleaders, but God should be your coach. He should be your coach. He should be the authority figure that you've given permission to speak into your life to show you how you can do better and when you can do better. God should be the coach. He is the one that will actually help you become a better player in this life. Because as a player, you only see what's happening in front of you. But God, as a coach, sees the whole picture. As a coach, he actually knows who the opposing team is. And he knows the enemy's whole bag of tricks. And he also knows the potential within you to call out the best of you. God is a God who should be your coach. You know, somebody once said encouragement feels good. But correction fosters growth. Encouragement feels good. The cheerleaders, they'll make you feel good even when you mess up. But correction, the correction of a coach, that is what is going to foster growth within you. So let's unpack this playbook of Proverbs together. Because there's three things I want us to draw out of this, of what we should all do if we want to live our lives as learners and be counted among the wise. But before we jump into those three things, I want to pick up where Frosty kind of left off last week, which is in the final chapter where the father is speaking to his son. That is chapter 9. And chapter 9 paints this picture where both wisdom and folly, folly means lacking good sense or just straight up foolishness, Wisdom and folly in this chapter are personified as women calling out to this son. You see, most readers at this time were male, and so this personification of women was to try to help these male readers understand the attraction that both of these women could have, but also the consequences of going after both of these women. So there's this image of Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly, and these two women are calling out to the son as he is passing by and calling out to everyone else. And when I picture this, there's Lady Wisdom, who I kind of picture, you know, she moves the way Disney princesses move, you know. She's she's probably British with a really posh accent, you know, Lady Wisdom. You know, she probably has cups of tea that are super fancy in her house. She probably wears the big hat like Lady Wisdom is put together. That's how I picture it. You can picture her however you want. But anyways, Lady Wisdom, she stands outside her house, and she gives this open invitation to anybody that is passing by, anybody that will listen. 
And she invites them to come into this feast that she has lovingly prepared. And she wants them to abandon their simple ways, abandon their life of foolishness, and actually enter into a life of incredible meaning and purpose. That's Lady Wisdom. And then on the other hand, we have Lady Folly. So Lady Folly, I kind of picture with like the hoop earrings, the tight dress. You know, she's got the heels and she's just sitting on a front porch calling out to anybody that will listen. The simple, the fools, she ignores the wise because she knows they won't stop. That's Lady Folly in my mind. Picture her however you want. But Lady Folly, she's calling out to people to try to lure them in to her house. But verse 18 warns us about her house. It says, little do they know that the dead are there that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. Now, this is an obvious and intentional juxtaposition. It's a clear contrast where one invitation is offering life and the other invitation is leading down a path towards death. One invitation is offering meaning and purpose, whereas the other invitation is taking people deeper into the realm of the dead. And these two invitations weren't just calling out to this, this son, these two invitations call out to each of us every single day because God gave every single one of us the gift of free will. That means we personally get to choose whose house we dine at every single day. You know, if you sit at the table of Lady Folly, you'll hear what you want to hear. She, she's the type of one to be like, you'll do you, it's all good. She'll cheer you on in that path of destruction. But if you were to actually sit with Lady Wisdom, she'll tell you what you need to hear even when it hurts sometimes. But she will help you get back on that path of righteousness and learn how to live a disciplined life in the pursuit of truth. So how can all of us maintain our seat at Lady Wisdom's table? Well, there's three things that I want us to take away today. And the first is this, a learner intentionally seeks instruction from the wise. A learner intentionally seeks instruction from the wise. Now, a couple weeks ago, we got to baptize 11 incredible people in our cafe. And you would have seen that we had this inflatable spa pool. And so we've used this inflatable spa pool, this new one, three times now. And all three times, the exact same scenario has played out as we were setting this up. Now, I'm not going to name any names, but the two male pastors here, you can figure out who that is. Um, they decided, we'll set it up. We won't bother pregnant Darcy. We'll get it. Don't worry. So they pull it out, and they start setting it up, and they do the exact same thing that they've done the previous two times, and they just look at the parts and then start to try and screw them together where they think it should go, and then they get frustrated and annoyed that they can't figure out how to blow this inflatable spa pull up, and then the female pastor walks along. She picks up the instructions that the boys cast aside, and she's like, boys, Y'all completely missed a step. You're running way too far ahead with this. And you, they, had to, they put on the water pipes instead of the pump pipes. Third time in a row. Fourth time, it won't happen, right? You guys know now. You know now. <laughs> if it wasn't for me who picked up the instructions all three times, we would have not got that pool inflated. The instructions are included for a reason. Now, this is just a side note, but I don't know why it is that males always like to ignore instructions. Like anytime I've seen a male open flat pack furniture, they just push the instructions aside like it's part of the packaging and they just try to figure it out. And then, I don't know, maybe that's just the males in my world. But anyways, <clears throat> did you know this? 95% of all returned gadgets actually work despite what customers say or think. 
That's right. Of the $13.8 billion worth of return products in the U.S. in 2007, only 5% were because the gadgets were truly broken. 95% still work just fine. But what does it tell us? It tells us that majority of people do not intentionally seek instruction. Even when they've got the manual right in front of them, there's like, nah, it's broke, can't figure it out. So they take it back instead. But a lot of people, they like to forge ahead in this life based on what they think is right, based on what they think that they already know or whatever their gut is telling them, whatever seems right. But the wise, they intentionally seek instruction from those that have gone before. Here's what Proverbs tells us about this. Chapter 12, verse 15. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. The way of fools might seem right, but it doesn't mean it is right. Chapter 15, verse 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. 19, verse 2. Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? Scripture makes it pretty clear that we should intentionally seek out instruction from the wise when we're trying to figure out how to live our lives. When we're trying to figure out how to make those big decisions, like who we should marry, how we should raise our kids, what career we should pursue, where we should live, all of those big decisions. It's saying seek instruction because hasty feet will just miss the way. Don't forge ahead on what you think is right. Don't forge ahead on what seems to be right or what your gut is telling you. But have you actually asked your coach if you're even on the right path? Have you asked godly counsel around you if you're even on the right path? Because those that charge ahead on what seems to be right might end up on a path that is taking them further and further away from their purpose or on a path that leads them to to harm or the harm of others or a path that leads them to a point where their progress in life has been delayed and they've got to go back to the point where they started to wander. Wisdom actually knows to check in with the coach. And with godly counsel to receive instruction before continuing on a path that simply seems right. If we want to be lifelong learners, we need to intentionally seek instruction from those that have been sitting at Lady Wisdom's table longer than us. The second thing we can do is a learner embraces correction with humility. Embrace correction with humility. Now there's a few moments in my life where I've received correction. You know, a few. I'm sure it's happened for all of us, right? Right? And I had to choose how to respond in every single moment when I was corrected. I could have chosen to respond with humility. In some ways, I did. And I could have chosen to respond with pride. And I'll be honest, there's sometimes I did. And my response determined the outcome. You know, when I was a little girl, probably around six years old, my mom took me into this education shop, which is where all the teachers go to get their cool supplies, because my mom's a kindergarten teacher, which is year one in New Zealand. And I remember standing at the checkout counter with her, and she was buying all of her goodies. And you know at the checkout counter, how they have all those little things there for the last-minute impulse buys, right? Well, right in front of my eyes, eye level, was this container of funky-shaped, colorful erasers that you put on the end of your pencil. You know the ones that look cool but don't do anything, right? And I saw those, and little Darcy thought it would be a good idea to just grab one and sneak it into her pocket without telling mom. And we got all the way home. We drove all the way home. It was about 15, 20-minute drive back to our farm, and I walked in the house, and My mom went into the kitchen. I popped that little eraser on my pencil, and I started to draw. And then my mom noticed my new eraser because moms notice everything, y'all. Just be aware. They know exactly what you have because moms are usually the ones that buy it all. 
and my mom knew she didn't buy that eraser. And I'll never forget this moment because she confronted me about it and I had to tell the truth. And immediately when she realized I stole that eraser, she put me back in the car. We drove all the way back to the store and she made me march up to the counter and apologize to the retail worker for these stolen goods that probably cost a quarter, like 25 cents. It cost her more in gas to get me back to the store than my little eraser cost. But what happened in that moment is I was disciplined as a child. It was a moment where I was corrected from my foolish ways. It was a moment where my mother took me back to the place where I had wandered and she put me back on the path of righteousness. Now, I'm not even joking when I say this, but to this day and for the rest of my life, I have not stolen anything else from a store in my life because my mama taught me a lesson. And I learned. Chapter 29, verse 15 says, A rod and a reprimand impart wisdom. Correction imparts wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. Now, you might think, think that sounds harsh, but... It's the truth. Correction, letting people know where they've gone wrong, actually imparts wisdom into them. But if you leave a child or anyone undisciplined, they could become a disgrace. You know, when I was around 12, I remember joining this new recreational soccer team a week before their first game. Now, they had already been training for about a month or so, and I had only come to this one training before the game. And it was safe to say, and I say this for illustration of my point, that I was one of their best players, okay? Uh, and I'm not trying to say that to brag, but I had been playing soccer for many years, and my dad had even put me in like an elite team with older girls the season before, before I came back to this recreational team. And so I came to this training, and I was clearly one of the best players, but I'll never forget this moment at the end of the night where my new coach, Robbie Russell, he was handing out everyone's uniforms, and he pulled my dad and I aside before we left that night. And he said, Darcy, you are a great player, and we are so excited to have you on this team, but I want you to know that I'm not going to put you on the field on Saturday, okay? And 12-year-old Darcy, who knew she was a good soccer player, was like, but why? Like, why wouldn't you put me on the field? Like, I'm good for this team. And he said, these girls, they've been coming to training for a month now, and it's not fair for them to see this new girl who comes to one training get a starting spot in the first game. But I want you to show up to the game fully dressed in your uniform, and I want you to cheer on your team from the bench. That is your position this Saturday. And before I could even respond, my dad said to him with a smile, we'll be there, coach. See you Saturday. Because my dad recognized in this moment, Coach Robbie was trying to teach me a lesson. And I had an opportunity to embrace this correction with humility. It didn't matter if I was the best player. It didn't matter if the team needed me. What mattered was my commitment to the team and my faithfulness of sitting there on a bench even when I wasn't on the field. So I showed up to the game with my full uniform on and I sat next to my parents. That whole game handed out orange slices at halftime, as you do. And I cheered on these girls that I had just met. Chapter 19, verse 18 says, discipline your children. For in that, there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. Proverbs is straight up, y'all. If you ever read it, it's straight up. Another translation says, indulging them, your children, destroys them. Another one says, without discipline, you will ruin their lives. We are actually meant to bring some discipline in a loving and compassionate way because it's going to bring hope to their future and not lead them to a path of destruction. 
at 12, I learned what it meant like, what it meant to be humble. And Robbie Russell ended up becoming my favorite soccer coach that I ever had. And I learned so many lessons from him playing on his team that I still apply today. In fact, today, I happily bench star players like he did to me until I see a teachable spirit and faithfulness. I want to see in, in my team players what he wanted to see in me. But let's be real, you know, as you get older, you think you get smarter. You think you know better. And eventually I left the comfort of Oklahoma and the shelter of my parents' home. And I went to uni. And in uni, I started going down a path that seemed right to me. In the moment, I got mixed up in the wrong crowds. And I started to dine with Lady Foley. And when visiting home, I would switch back into the mode of loving Jesus and Lady Wisdom. And I was truly living a double life. And there was this moment that I remember so clearly where an Oklahoma friend named Tyler gave me an opportunity to recognize the error of my ways when he said to me, he said, Darcy, what are those photos on Facebook about? Like, is that you? You know, the, the drinking, the parties, like all that going on. Is that really who you are? And he said it was so much grace and so much compassion. But I responded in defense. I responded in a way where I immediately took offense. I said, excuse me, like, how dare you judge me, right? I had a moment to respond with humility, but in that moment I responded with pride because the reality was his words, they just cut me to the core because he was the first person to call me out for living this double life. He was the first person to challenge my identity and who I was becoming at the age of 20. He was the first person to insinuate that I actually had more potential in me to be better and do better and live better. But like most people do, I assumed he was judgmental. I assumed that he was being overly critical. I assumed he thought he was better than me. So instead of allowing his questions to sink in, instead of allowing myself to reflect on this correction, this opportunity that he had given me to actually think about my life and what path I was on, I became the assumptions I placed on him. I became the judgmental one. I became the overly critical one. And I thought, how dare he? As I walked back to Lady Foley's house, but as a trusted friend, he had every right to question me. He did. He was someone who saw potential in me to do better and be better. But that time I didn't listen. Chapter 16, verse 17 says, whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. If I look back at those years on my life, I started leading others astray by continuing to wear the badge of Christian around my uni campus, but living a life that was not honoring to him in any way. And I became this stumbling block for others, and I didn't know it. Chapter 15, verse 12 says, Mockers resent correction, so they avoid the wise. I avoided people like Tyler. From that point on, I started to resent his attempt at correction, and I avoided those people and found people like Lady Folly that would just agree with whatever path I was on. And thankfully, at 22, I actually got my life back on track, and I found Jesus in a radical way. And it was only after I realized how much love was within the corrections of my coach and my Christian friends that I became a wise learner again. The final thing is really important. A learner implements feedback for improvement. Keys can come join me now. A learner implements feedback for improvement. You know, it's one thing to hear the correction from the Holy Spirit's conviction or from a Christian friend who loves you and sees the best in you. 
but it is something else entirely to actually let that sink in, implement that feedback and make changes in your life. That's, that's the harder part, to actually take that correction and say, okay, I need to change and I will change. See, what you do with correction will determine whether or not you have a teachable spirit, what you do with it. You know, when I was trying to think of who in my world have I seen do this well? Well, I thought of a girl at our botany campus named Joanne Rigby. She was one of our many youth interns back when we were the youth pastors there for a number of years before we planted this campus. And I was her supervisor while she was an intern through Elam Leadership College. And I actually really looked forward to my meetings with Joanne because she was running our intermediates youth ministry on a Friday night called Voltage Charged. And she'd come into my office and we would talk about the things that went so well on the Friday night. And then we'd also talk about the things that didn't go so well. And she'd always bring in, you know, a notebook and take notes on what we talked about. And I didn't have to wait a month or two months to see her make these changes. I didn't have to remind her again of what didn't go so well. Immediately that week, she implemented the feedback. It was amazing. And her program went from strength to strength because she would hear the feedback and say, okay, I could change that for this week. And it was these small incremental changes that actually led to her becoming now the Intermediates Youth Pastor at Botany. She now leads a thriving youth ministry because she recognized somebody is trying to pass on some wisdom here. I'm not just gonna ignore it and go on with what seems to be right in my own eyes, but I'm actually gonna take that on and I'm gonna implement this feedback. She soaked up whatever Frosty and I would try to share with her like a sponge. And she's still thriving in that today. You know, it can be easy to seek out advice. It becomes harder to embrace somebody's correction, but harder still to implement that feedback and recognize that the power to change lies in your own hands. See, seeking instruction is recognizing you don't know it all. At 30, I do not know it all. At 50, I will still have so much to learn. At 75, I'm still gonna be a learner because there's still things that I can learn from people that are walking on that path of wisdom next to me and I wanna learn from all those around me. You know, embracing correction, that's recognizing when you made a mistake. At all ages, we have the capability to make mistakes. It doesn't matter if you've been on the path of righteousness for decades, you can still easily step off and get tempted into Lady Folly's house. There's still moments where you're gonna make a mistake. And in this life, you will either be humiliated or choose to be a person of humility. The choice is yours. And so I encourage you to be somebody of humility who actually steps back on the path of righteousness when corrected. Implementing feedback. That's recognizing that the power to change lies within your own hands. Only you can choose to push back from Lady Folly's table, walk out of her house and go find Lady Wisdom instead. That choice is completely up to you. The choice to grow, the choice to grow in righteousness and in strength and in courage is completely up to you. And a lifelong learner is somebody who positions themselves at Lady Wisdom's table every single day. One of the most famous Proverbs is chapter 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Chapter 27, verse six, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You know, when Frosty and I were talking about this, you know, iron sharpening iron, if you picture that, that is not an easy process. That's a painful process. But Proverbs tells us that wounds from a friend 
can be trusted because the correction from a friend who sees better in you is actually filled with compassion. And we can trust that they see great potential within us to do better and be better. And a wound from a friend can be trusted. So as we close today, I want you guys to think about two questions as you go into your week. And the first is this, whose table am I seated at? Am I currently seated with Lady Folly on a path that seems right? On a path that I've just charged ahead on my own thinking? Or am I actually seated at Lady Wisdom's table? Because who you dine with is up to you. And the second question is, am I allowing God to be my coach? Or have I asked him to just be a cheerleader and only strengthen me when I think I need it? Have I given him permission to speak into my life and to discipline me like a child? Is God your coach? Because if you wanna be counted among the wise at the end of your life, then I encourage you to take on this little bit of wisdom, to seek instruction, embrace correction, and implement feedback. Amen.